Welcome to Done With Debauchery, a podcast hosted by Keisha and Denise, two friends who share intimate conversations about alcohol and drug use, struggling with sobriety, and our personal paths to wellness. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Done With Debauchery. I'm Keisha, and this is my co-host, Denise. Hello. You've probably heard the term gaslighting before, as it's become increasingly popular over the last few years. Fox.com defines gaslighting as the act of undermining another person's reality by denying facts, the environment around them, or their feelings. On today's episode, we're going to talk about gaslighting in early sobriety, how other people may internalize and diminish your decision to not drink alcohol, and how to navigate some of the conversations that may come up. We're also going to touch on how sobriety can impact your relationships from friends, family, and romantic partners. Let's get into it. Gaslighting can show up in so many different forms. It can cause you to question your judgment, self-worth, and experiences, which can make you question the validity of your feelings around substance use. You may start to feel like your experience isn't real, you can't trust yourself, and you'll start to question whether or not you actually do have a drinking problem or whether what other people may be saying to you is actually truth. And I think gaslighting can be like, is really, really sneaky. I don't think you always realize that you're experiencing it in the moment. Um, And I think some of the ways that it can show up is maybe by some comments like, you don't have a drinking problem, it's all in your head. They may just diminish your concerns or your feelings around you know, you're drinking, like with comments like, just have one. And I think even people not reacting or saying anything, kind of completely pretending like nothing has changed when you tell people that you've decided to make a big change. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's been a big one for me. Yeah, I think a lot of the times when people are gaslighting you, if it are if it is somebody that's a friend or a family member and their intention, it is to support you, they still may not realize they are gaslighting you. So it's not always something that's done with intention, in my experience. I think when we think of gaslighting, we think of... The extreme narcissist. Exactly. Almost like in an abusive situation. A really toxic relationship. And it can be very subtle. Yeah, it can be really subtle. And subconscious. And it can come from people that love you. 100%. So it is important to be aware of gaslighting from the people in your life who you may not expect it expect it from and a lot of the times when they are coming at you with comments like that and not validating your experience of why you need to cut out alcohol or even asking you questions about it it could be because they're they're projecting onto you their own experiences by you making a conscious decision to cut alcohol or drugs or whatever it is out of your life they're now having to assess, well, I drink the same as this person. Most nights when we go out, we're drinking together in the same amount. Does that mean that I too have a drinking problem? And that can be a really hard reality. Yeah. And I think, you know, everybody has to, you know, do things on their own time. And you may be a trigger and you may not be a trigger to those people because I think that gaslighting can kind of be an avoidance tactic for people that may not want that mirror held up to them in terms of them being like, wow, what you just said, like, you know, they drink the same amount. Do I need to revisit my 
relationship with alcohol. So it's easier for them to make it seem like you're the one that is out of sorts with with your decision to get sober and that the drinking that, you know, they're doing is normalized. Uh, and so they, you know, they don't have to look at themselves. So I think you sometimes, yeah, you're a trigger, you're a mirror, it brings up their shadow. Um, and just because you've decided to, you know, look at your substance use doesn't mean that that person needs to at this time as well. For sure. And I think it's, I've also been on the other side of that table going <laughs> out. a hundred times. Especially when I was younger, going 100%, out. Yeah. If somebody doesn't want to do shots, pressuring them to do shots, when whether they have to work in the morning, usually if they're driving, nobody's pressuring them to drink, which is kind of like the one valid ex- excuse in society to not drink is if you're driving. But yeah, I've definitely been on that side of it. And looking back, it doesn't feel good thinking about the people that I may have pressured or tried to encourage to drink for my own selfish reasons. And because I didn't really know how to connect with them in those moments other than that. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, have you ever thought about when you were maybe the the drunkest or the most fucked up at a party? Every or a... time I go <laughs> a situation but I think I think that's the whole thing and that's part of why you know as a culture we encourage other people to drink is like we don't want to be doing it alone Mm -hmm. it feels less at least for me shameful um when everyone else is doing it and we're in it together like it's that crowd mentality right and so I think even though like your intention when you're younger is you think to have fun and you're trying to encourage everybody to have fun you know, you also, I also would never feel good if I was the one that was like super drunk and then other people were drinking moderately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's a whole probably other topic and conversation, but a lot of that pressuring to drink is really just you looking for connection and going through it. Like if you're having a bottle of wine with dinner, it's not always about consuming that alcohol, but it's about connecting with somebody over that bottle of wine. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that food and drink are very deeply rooted in uh, connection throughout our society. And yeah. I think that is one of the really big challenges um, when you do decide to to get sober. You know, I think I've been pretty lucky. Like most of my friends have been uh, supportive of my yeah. decisions when we speak But I think sometimes that what you experience once you're out with them, maybe in situations where they're drinking and you're not, doesn't always play out in the same way that the conversation around the support does. And that almost feels like a gaslighting type of experience. Or diminishing. Diminishing, yeah, your experience or a lack of respect for how hard what you're trying to do is. And I think that's where gaslighting to me can be like really subtle and really sneaky. Um, And it's not even that you end up, you know, feeling frustrated or angry with the other person. But where I notice it is when I start to question whether or not I can trust how I'm feeling um, and and yeah. my just my feeling that I need, like I need to stop drinking or I need to stop using drugs overall, I start to think I'm, you know, like I'm crazy. I've made this up. Like I'm actually yeah. <laughs> fine. I'm overreacting. And that's where I know that I've let somebody else's beliefs or comments 
uh, or experience really like influence yeah. um, my decisions or my thoughts. When you decide to get sober, you're, you become a mirror for a lot of other people. So when people don't want to look at their use or even begin to question it, that mirror is a trigger. And it's much easier to look away or pretend like it's not going on so that they can continue to avoid maybe how it makes them feel about their behavior. I find this so hard to deal with, uh, especially with people that, you know, you expect to deeply care about things mm-hmm. that you're doing. It like triggers that inner child like, hey, I'm doing this really hard thing. Don't act and pretend like it's nothing. Yeah. Like, you know, I want you to support me. And it really leaves me feeling unmet. And I feel like that has been really difficult for me with a particular significant other, but also specifically in my family dynamic, Mm -hmm. Um, my dad specifically. uh, Often I just feel like it's just not discussed and talked about. And I think further to that point, people's reactions – say a lot more about them than they do about you and when and your friends and your family can really only meet you as deep as they can meet themselves so I think a lot of times we have this expectation that somebody is going to show up deeply in a way that they haven't shown up for themselves yet and I think that it's a very unrealistic expectation and that's why I kind of bring that inner child it's like you know that five-year-old that lives with within me is really still hoping and expecting um you know for that care and consideration um that I know already you know as an adult a realistic adult that I'm not going to receive and we have built many of our connections you know in possibly traumatic family or friend or you know relational dynamics that have maybe contributed or, you know, been kind of co, you've had like a co-addiction kind of like. Co-dependent. Yeah, that's, yeah, relationship. Um, And and those are the people we maybe use with or, you know, we developed patterns around. When we've built many of our connections in traumatic family or friend or romantic dynamics or with people we used to use with, their depth of connection is likely not there to support us. So I just really want to, you know, point that out because sometimes the people that we go to are the people that we maybe, um, you know, have developed substance use around or with. Mm -hmm. And then we have the expectation that, you know, they're going to be able to support us in in ways that they're just not able to. And I think sometimes that that feeling of being left unmet can be also a very major trigger uh, for substance use. I know for me, uh, it likely was like an underlying factor of – you know, why I started drinking and doing drugs when I was so much younger. And so this experience of communicating or speaking to people about my sobriety actually becomes a a, a trigger um, for me that I have to deal with on a regular basis. Yeah. And I really, I really love what you said uh, sort of in other words, but people can only meet you where they are. 
And that's something yeah. that my therapist says, in other words, so yeah. often as well, that we have these expectations that we project onto other people, but it really can just be a fantasy sometimes. Especially, I feel like with our our parents' generation, they haven't quote unquote done the work. Like so many people in our age group who are in therapy and open to talking about their feelings and their traumas, where I feel like our parents may not necessarily have that skill set. So it can create a really, a really hard scenario. Like especially if you're, like my family lives outside of the province. So when I'm going home for the holidays, I often do have a lot of anxiety about what's going to happen uh, with my parents drinking, which both of them do do drink, I would say, a, a little more than <laughs> is a healthy amount. What is a healthy amount of alcohol? <laughs> Sidebar. Apparently none, I yeah. think. <laughs> Confirming none. So yeah, I, t- I totally get that. I can totally relate. So only you truly know what your relationship with alcohol is and what is going to be acceptable for you moving forward. I agree with that 100%. And, you know, everyone does the absolute best that they can. So this isn't to put down any friends or family members that may Mm -hmm. not, you know, maybe subconsciously gaslighting your experience as you come to get sober. But it's like the the importance is, is like, how do you stay true to yourself and follow through with your decision? And I think that brings us to the topic around boundaries. The Um, B word. Yeah. (laughs) Which are sometimes so hard to understand how to navigate, you know? Like, we often feel like we should, you know, go to X event or birthday party or dinner or whatever it is, work event. Um, And you know, you're not always necessarily putting yourself or your sobriety or your feelings first when you when you make those decisions. And I think especially when we know someone is maybe kind of gaslighting our experience, we have to be, I think, extra, extra careful yeah. around the boundaries we consider and, and put forth. For <laughs> sure, for sure. And I think that, like, you have to define your own boundaries for yourself, but it's also important to communicate that to your friends and the people in your yeah. lives. So we can't be just, again, like, putting these unrealistic expectations that people know how we feel and how we want to be treated. It's about having those hard conversations with the people you trust and establishing boundaries if you're going out to a restaurant, if they're coming over, or if you're going into their space for the evening are you okay with there being alcohol there? Do you feel safe enough to express to them that you do need it to be a dry space because that's just what you need right now? So I think that it's really important to give your loved ones those tools in order to help you and to set you up for success in your sobriety, especially in those really early stages when it's so easy to just say fuck it. Yeah, I think you touched on a really key point there that communication is absolutely key uh, when you're dealing with boundaries because it's so unfair to expect that people know what you need. And I think we get scared to communicate that like because maybe it's not going to be accepted and it puts you in a position where you have to be somewhat vulnerable, and it right? Can be, yeah, it can be embarrassing. Hey, I yeah. can't be in the same room as a glass of wine because I might chug it. And especially if you feel like those people don't necessarily feel the same way about about alcohol or around yeah. how you feel about alcohol, um, you know, it makes it, yeah, you're right. Embarrassing. It's very, yeah. it feels uncomfortable. 
But usually the scenario that I've created in my head about how the conversation's going to go is way worse than it actually uh, <laughs> so goes. So worse. 100%. Yeah. Like, I feel like we're both, like, pretty lucky in the sense that, like, we have a pretty strong core group of friends. Yeah. And they love and support us. Like, all my friends, I feel like that I have reached out to over the last few months it's to let them know that I am questioning my sobriety, I'm changing my relationship with alcohol. They've all been so supportive and maybe not everybody asks what I can do, how can I support you, but I don't feel like I cannot spend time with them. Yeah, and that's amazing that you have that kind of support system. And I think with boundaries, sometimes we're also, you're also going to be learning along the way. And I feel like I'm still in that process right now. And sometimes I th- you th- you think you can handle more than you actually can. And yeah, yeah you, make a, you make a decision that wasn't okay and you just have to like continually course correct. I know that over the summer uh, with like a very, very old friend of mine, I, we were going to the beach and it was like a Friday afternoon and it was just the two of us and I- Was it me? No. It 100% wasn't. I probably would have started drinking if it was you. There can't be two, apparently. Does anyone else know this about the three rule and sobriety we just learned about? Um, Either way, though, I had told my friend that- she could bring alcohol uh, to the beach and that I was I was fine with it. And I thought I was fine with it. I didn't yeah. know that that was a boundary that I, I needed to, to set. And it was okay for a bit until, like, there was a few more drinks in, than necessary for mm-hmm. my sober experience. And then, you know, it just wasn't really, I, I realized, enjoyable for me to be in the company because we just weren't, like, energetically aligned anymore and it kind of turned very very sour and into like peer pressuring to drink and there was almost like some misdirected anger because like that person wanted to have fun and elevate the situation and I was very calm and sober and just wasn't on the same level um so you know I did really learn that that was like a boundary that I should have set in hindsight uh prior to that experience but now now I know so it gives me that opportunity the next time to communicate what I need there is a possibility that you know not all friends are going to react to your boundaries Mm. in in the way that you want or the way that you communicate them and I think getting sober isn't just an opportunity to reevaluate your relationship with substances, but it it does put you in a position to reevaluate your relationships in your life. And a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think not everybody comes along, you know, to the finish line with you or continues on the journey. And I think that's okay as well. And it doesn't always feel good necessarily in the moment, but you know, you have to put yourself first. And I think that that's been, you know, a tough, a tough lesson for me uh, throughout this journey over the past, you know, year or so that it's kind of been up and down. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point. And one of the most beautiful things I think about the sober community is how welcoming they are. Mm, So yeah, even though you may lose some of your loves along the way, I think that there is just a whole other world out there of people that are aligned with your decision and are going to support you as you come. Uh, We've even experienced that just in the last three weeks since starting the podcast, like the number of people listening to our episodes and 
commenting on Instagram. Like, people are so welcoming. And supportive and yeah. just positive feedback. And I think that's a really you know, beautiful thing that you get to welcome into your life. I feel like I have gained much more than I have lost. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that brings us to the million dollar question. Keisha, do you feel like you can hang with the OG crew in early sobriety? Honestly, I feel like I can. And I know that's not the case for everyone, but I do feel like my core group of friends are so supportive and so loving and Maybe some of them, like, I met when I was doing bottle service. One of my best friends from high school in Winnipeg, we started our relationship using substances at a really young age. But over time, our relationships have naturally progressed. And we have so much more in common now than just drinking and getting fucked up together. But there are always going to be, I think, those people who that's kind of what your relationship is built on. And those are the people that are not going to come along with you on this journey. But I feel like, yeah, like my OG girlfriends that I talk to on a regular basis are, are kind of like my pillars of support right now. That's really interesting because I think I have some different viewpoints on it. Not that my views are solidified and I think I'm still trying to figure out and answer that question. And I think you and I actually went through a period where Mm -hmm. we were both trying to stay sober and then like every time we would hang out, we'd have 52 drinks and like 18 (laughs) plates of cocaine. Um, So I just feel like we went through that where we almost couldn't hang out for a little little while because like it would just – we were unable to – stay sober or even like be somewhat moderate and I think there were some like obviously some additional stressors that were kind of adding to that but I really find that with some of my friends that I have maybe uh that binge drinking pattern that is like so deeply grooved over the past 25 or more years like we started drinking together and using drugs together when we were like 13 or 14 I find that in their presence even when the whole group has decided to not drink for me. I am like riding an urge the whole time that because I think as soon as I'm in their presence, my brain is like, hello, like, yeah. you know, that all those pathways are, are really activated. Um, and it's, and it's, I'm the one that will like encourage that behavior in those situations. And so I don't know. I hope that things change. But I, I'm finding that those those people to me are are extremely, extremely um, triggering and that yeah. and it feels difficult uh, right now for me. Yeah. And, and I think that what you said is 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 just like reality. Like mm-hmm. we went through that, but yeah. we made a conscious decision that we valued our friendship more than we valued having somebody to get fucked up with. Yeah. So I remember like when we, we bought all those <laughs> ingredients to make delicious mocktails and we like went to a park. We're like, we're not allowed to go to a restaurant. We're literally going to a field <laughs> with all of our ingredients and made mocktails. And I feel like that was really like the start of us like having these like healthy, fun, sober hangouts. Exactly. But we definitely made some changes to set ourselves you know, up for success. And I think the other thing is, is that when you spend 25 or more years Mm -hmm. making those patterns with those particular people, it's not like realistic to expect things to change or for you to not have those cravings around those people within like a few months. Like you have to be realistic about the amount of time that you put into making those patterns. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the answer is on how long it takes to to change, but expecting it to change within a month or a couple weeks, I think is again, unrealistic and not setting yourself up for, for success. Yeah. 
And you know what? I think some friends, though, you you start to realize that you maybe don't have uh, as much in common with them for as sure. as you thought you did once you start to remove, um, you know, your substance use. And I, I find, at least for me, like, it doesn't need to be dramatic. Those things kind of just, like, fall and fade away organically. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. If you're feeling like you're dealing with judgment around your decision to become sober... Or like someone in your life may be gaslighting you. Try and remember, be who you are and say what you feel. Because those who mind don't matter. And those who matter don't mind. Just know that you can trust yourself and your feelings and experiences are valid. Thank you for listening. This is Denise and Keisha signing off on another episode of Done With Debauchery. If you liked what you heard, please share and subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at Done With Debauchery. See you next time.